0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Second Hand Stories. This is a place where I tell you stories. What kind? Well, histories, mysteries and unbelievestries. And here is this week's story. It's 1991 and a cosmonaut stares out of a pothole on Mir space station. He's looking at the Earth. It's a beautiful sight. It's as surreal as it is serene. It's a sight that this cosmonaut never gets tired of seeing. He's looking at it, and it's as usual there is this vast black nothingness, and in the backdrop of this nothingness, there is a blue green ball that we call home. As he stares out of the porthole, this time, there is concern on his face. He's staring intently. Worry is all over his face. Because something extraordinary is happening all the way below on planet Earth. Lines are being drawn. Countries are being born. Countless lives are being thrown into chaos. This cosmonaut's name is Sergei Krikalev. And when he had left Earth, he was a citizen of the Soviet Union. But now, as he watches the planet, he has just realized that his country has ceased to exist. He's staring at the planet, trying to see these changes happen. But of course, He can't because geography remains unchanged even as politics changes everything. Now as a citizen of a former country, he wonders who is going to bring him back home and what the word home even means anymore. This is his story. Sergei Krikalev was born in Leningrad on uh, August 27th, 1958. He studied mechanical engineering and then worked in a spacecraft design organization. By his late 20s, he's already an accomplished pilot, and in 1985, he joins the cosmonaut training program. Oh, and quick note in case you're wondering what's the difference between a cosmonaut and an astronaut, well, there is none. It was just a difference of nomenclature. In the USSR, they were called cosmonauts, but in the West, they were called astronauts. It was essentially the same thing. He's good enough that by 1988, they send him on his first space mission. He goes all the way to Mir Space Station, which is the space station of the Soviet Union. He spends 151 days out of gravity's reach in the space station. It's a long time and he's very good at his job. He's a calm, soft spoken man who's extremely talented and good at this job. And in part, it's because of how much he loves and truly appreciates being in space. He loves this feeling of weightlessness. He's has taught himself this amazing trick where he can glide from one end of the space station to the other without touching a single thing. Underneath this calm exterior though, there is this ferocious grit and a sense of responsibility and professionalism. And it's for all these reasons that he is chosen for his next mission. The second mission would also send him to the Mir space station and it would Send him there in March 1991. This mission was called Project Juno, and he's accompanied by two more people in his crew. There is the Ukrainian born cosmonaut Anatoly Arsibarsky and British astronaut Helen Sherman. Now, Helen Sherman would spend eight days on the Mir space station before returning back to Earth, leaving Anatoly and Sergey alone on the space station for the next five months. In these five months, the two men would be spending their time fixing and repairing and maintaining the space station, which would include going on six space walks. Now, spending five months in space is a considerable amount of time. But little did Sergei Krikalev know that he would be spending a lot more than a mere five months that's because in 1991 the ussr is crumbling the ussr is an acronym for the union of soviet socialist republics and as the name suggests this wasn't one cohesive country it was an amalgamation of 15 different nations and Around the 1990s, things were going very badly because this was a large geographical area, a behemoth of a place and it was extremely difficult to govern it. Administration was poor, they had run out of money and several territories had started pushing for independence. Now in 1985, Mikhail Gorbachev becomes the General Secretary of the Communist Party. Party and when he comes to power he inherits a USSR that's on the precipice of failure. He knows that he has to do something to save the country. So here's what he does. He brings in a bunch of reforms. Now these reforms were designed to modernize the USSR to make it more efficient and to make it more responsive to the needs of the people. These policies would work by doing a bunch of things. Firstly, they would decentralize power and secondly, they would open up the USSR to the rest of the world and especially the West. Now, for those of you who aren't aware, there was a time where the USSR and the West uh, had this little uh, tiff going on called the Cold War. It was part of this Cold War that they both were extremely secretive and closed off to each other. Mikhail Gorbachev comes in and he wants to open up this cagey closed country, open it up to the rest of the world and nothing sums this up more than the fact that the first McDonald's opens up in the Soviet Union in 1990. Now you can imagine that not everybody was on board with Mikhail Gorbachev's plans. There were several hardline politicians within the Communist Party who didn't really want this change. They wanted the USSR to go back to its original roots, to retain its values. And they were especially alarmed because Gorbachev, in addition to doing all of this, was also proposing a new treaty which would give even more autonomy to these states and territories that wanted independence. These hardline politicians knew that they had to stop Mikhail Gorbachev, and they had to do it quickly and decisively. And so they did. In August of 1991, as Sergei Krikalev is spinning around in space, tanks roll in to the Red Square. There is a coup. Now, politicians who lead this coup, they claim that Gorbachev has stepped aside due to ill health. But these politicians who have led this coup, have misjudged the moment. They have not understood the pulse of the people. The people did not want to go back. They wanted to move forward. They wanted to progress. They wanted change. Mass protests erupt all over the Soviet Union. What's more, they hadn't fully garnered the support of the military. Mikhail Gorbachev sensing an opportunity acts swiftly. He quickly garners support and then he denounces his enemies in public. And within days, this coup is squashed. Mikhail Gorbachev has come back to power. He has wrested control of the USSR. But this would not be without consequences. Because sensing a weakness at the center, the territories that were pushing for independence start pushing harder. Over the next few months, Gorbachev finds it extremely difficult to hold on to this fracturing confederation. And so, on Christmas Day, 25th December 1991, Mikhail Gorbachev resigns. And that was the last day when the Soviet flag would fly. The country is thrown into chaos. There is turmoil and confusion. And Sergei Krikalev can feel all of this only through radio transmissions. And these radio transmissions are coming from his wife Elena. They had met in 1988. In 1988, Sergei Krikalev was on Mir space station doing his first space journey. And in mission control was Elena. They had gotten to know each other over the radio and they had fallen in love, gotten married and had a kid. As they're talking over the radio in 1991, the tone of their conversations is very different because Elena is relaying this incredible, unbelievable, seismic change that's taking place in the country and she's trying her best to keep the panic and the worry out of her voice. Because she knows that there's nothing that Sergei Krikalev can do. He's hurtling helplessly through space. On the other end, Krikalev too is trying his best to not let his worry show through. And he has a lot of reasons to be worried. Because back then, the cosmonaut's salary was 500 rubles. Now this was considered a good and respectable amount. But that was when the Soviet Union was standing. Once the country has splintered, inflation has spiked. His respectable and good salary is now less than minimum wage. To give you an idea of how bad things were, there were several scientists who were working on the space program who would put in 12-hour shifts at work and then drive taxis after work to make ends meet. Can you imagine getting into a taxi which is driven by a literal rocket scientist? That's why Sergei Krikalev, as he listens to his wife over the radio, wonders how she's getting by on this meager amount. Now, the newly formed nation of Russia is broke. They have no money to bring their cosmonaut back. In fact, one of the other reasons they can't bring him back is this. Because the spaceport that they had used to send him, and in fact the spaceport which the majority of Russia's space program used, was a place called Baikonur Cosmodrome. And this place was not in Russia. It was in Kazakhstan. And Kazakhstan was pushing for independence. In fact, at the time they were pushing for independence, they realized that they didn't need to give Russia their spaceport for free. So now they were charging an astronomical amount to Russia for letting them use the spaceport. And Russia did not have this money. So Gorbachev decides to make a deal. Now he does this deal for two reasons. Number one, he wants to appease the Kazakhs so that they stay a little bit longer in the Soviet Union. And the second more relatable reason is that he makes this deal to get a discount. The deal is this. He says that in exchange for a discount, he is willing to send the first Kazakh cosmonaut to space. This Kazakh cosmonaut takes his place in the space mission. But by taking his place, he is bumped off a more experienced cosmonaut. The more experienced cosmonaut who was going to relieve Sergei Krikalev. So this Kazakh cosmonaut goes up to the space station. He spends eight days there and comes back down. And he does not have the requisite experience to relieve Sergei Krikalev. And so Sergei is left stranded in space. As time goes by, Russia's money starts dwindling even more. It gets so desperate. Their whole space program is in tatters. It's so bad that they are now selling a seat to their space station on their rockets. And they're selling this to countries and countries are buying these seats like austria bought a seat for seven million dollars japan bought a seat for 12 million dollars and they didn't even buy it to send an astronaut they wanted to send a tv news reporter now thankfully this didn't happen but you can imagine that the astronauts who are going up to the space station do not have the experience to replace sergey krikalev he's the only flight engineer there and so He stays put. As time would go by, Sergei Krikalev is on this space station and he spends his time fixing and maintaining it and then maintaining his own body. He does hours and hours of repetitive exercises just to maintain basic fitness because that's what it takes to maintain basic fitness in space. Month after month, he would ask, The same question when will he be brought back home and time after time he receives the same answer russia just doesn't have the money yet and so he stays put now this is not without danger because there are several risks associated with prolonged space travel there is the risk of muscle atrophy that is the risk of exposure to radiation cancer and a decreased immunity the longer you stay in space and yet he stays put and this is by choice because there was a return vessel on the space station if there was an emergency if he just couldn't take it any longer he could have returned but he chose not to Because leaving the space station would mean abandoning it. And the USSR had experience with abandoning a space station before. They had done this with a space station called Salyut 7. Unmanned, the space station had started to malfunction and then worryingly had started making an uncontrolled re-entry into Earth. Which would have been disastrous for the people on the ground. This catastrophe had been averted by the bravery of a few cosmonauts who had gone up to the space station and were able to just about get it under control. And Sergei Krikalev knew all about this because he had been part of the ground staff when this mission was taking place. So he knew the dangers of leaving a space station unmanned. And so, he stays put. Now this was difficult because he had to spend an indefinite amount of time on Mir space station which had earned a reputation of being a small, smelly, noisy place. It was a cramped space station that could hold no more than six crew. It smelt of people who had been stuck together in a confined space sweating and just being there. And the fans and the pumps and the equipment on the station made this unbelievable racket, a noise so loud and frightful that it could drive you mad. And yet, he stays put. Now, he was cognizant of Russia's situation. He knew how delicate the e- economy was, how delicate the economic situation was. And so he rarely made demands. He had very few asks and this one time he asked for honey and he asked this so that it could raise his spirits. But Russia sent him lemon and horseradish because at that point in time Russia couldn't import honey and yet he stayed put. His predicament was summed up very ruefully and poetically by this newspaper called Komso Molskaya Pravda. Who said this? A human race sent its son off to the stars to fulfill a concrete set of tasks. But hardly had he left Earth than it lost interest in those tasks for worldly and completely explicable reasons. And it started to forget about its cosmonaut. It didn't even fetch him back at the appointed time again for completely worldly reasons. It would finally be in 1992 that germany would buy a spot and send an experienced astronaut up to mir space station to finally relieve sergey krikalev now i can't even imagine what must have gone through him as he starts making his way back to earth can you imagine the emotions that must have gone through him as he finally lands In Kazakhstan, as he emerges from the shuttle, he looks pale and doughy. His time and space has clearly taken a huge toll on him. He needs four people to just help him stand up. He's landed on a wintry day in Kazakhstan. All around him on the ground, snow lays thick. It's cold and someone throws a fur coat on him. And then he takes a deep breath and for the first time in 312 days he breathes the fresh air of earth 312 days was twice as long as he was supposed to stay in space and at the time it is the longest that anyone has stayed in space now as if the physical disorientation was not enough He also has to deal with the psychological disorientation of landing in a world that's completely changed. When he had taken off, his hometown was called Leningrad. When he had landed, it's now called St. Petersburg. There is a patch, an emblem on his jacket as he emerges from the shuttle and underneath it are the letters USSR. Now, when he had taken off this emblem, this patch, these letters... They stood for a country and they elicited pride. When he came back, this emblem was completely stripped of its power. The only thing it elicited now was nostalgia. He has landed in Kazakhstan, a country he now needs a passport to get out of. When he had left the Soviet Union, he had no idea that he was going to return as its very last citizen. When the Soviet Union collapsed and the Cold War eventually thawed, this ushered in an age of increased international cooperation when it came to space exploration. In 2001, the Mir space station was finally shut down and it was junked into the Pacific Ocean. It was replaced by the International International space station or the ISS a place that's played host to several astronauts from all across the world and one astronaut who made his way there was none other than Sergei Krikalev. After his grand adventure he took some time off then eventually returned to flying missions because although he lives on earth he considers space home. After 1992, he would spend a further 340 days in space. And thankfully, each and every one of those days was completely voluntary. And that's the story of the last citizen of the Soviet Union. So that's the story. If you enjoyed it, then do leave a like and a comment. If there are other stories that you'd like me to cover, then also leave them in the comment section below. As usual, every single one of these stories is shot in front of a live audience. Uh, They are joining me live from the International Space Station. Here they are. If you would like to be a part of these live recordings, then all you have to do is become a member of the channel. That's it from this episode. Until next time, take care. And bye-bye.